0: Howdy. What's up?
1: How's it going, man?
0: Pretty good. How are you?
1: Excellent. Excellent. Just turning off my phone and do not disturb. <laughs> Don't forget that. And it's on the charger. All right. So uh, today we got Neil Scalf and I believe this is podcast uh, 107 or 8 losing track of the numbers already so it's getting up there man i'm happy to have you happy to talk to you for an hour or two and uh just tell your story
2: yeah heck yeah man i've been trying to do this for a while i'm glad it finally worked
1: out so i already hit the record button so we're already rolling um so again ericswanracing.com podcast number 107 or 108 with neil scalf so thanks for coming on and uh you're a michigan guy you're a local um we were going to do it in person but it just didn't work out today so maybe we'll have to uh meet up again and uh, get one done in person one of these times. oh
2: yeah absolutely
1: so uh you've been racing and riding for a while i think i met you officially at uh christy lee's birthday party uh, <laughs> ago, uh with john hawkins and all them and oh, yeah. on fire and celebrating uh, another lap around the sun oh yeah yep and uh i think i rode with you for the first time at Grattan raceway july 4th weekend that was pretty cool
2: yeah, man, that was a that was a good time. That track was good.
1: Heck yeah. So what kind of bike you're on when uh, and what series you're running in?
2: So I I was on a Triumph for a long time. I was on a 675. Um, I switched to an R6 la- beginning of last year, I believe. And uh I really I really like it. Um I feel really good on it. Um just all around good bike. Uh, I i started off with just doing track days with stt and uh did a lot quite a bit of those for a couple of years and then uh started doing a few weird rounds i've never really done like a full season honestly i just never really worked out but this year i started doing some moto america so i just did my first round uh, at road at road america um, which was crazy that was was, it's a a whole different different world there man everything is just very organized and it's just, you know, it's just, it's crazy. I was not expecting it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so
1: tell me about the jump from doing uh, a Wera a National to a Moto America, uh, a true national.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that was the thing, you know, cause like, you know, wera is awesome. There's always good competition, great turnouts, you know, but uh, just being somewhere like, you know, watching that stuff on tv and then actually going and being there was just like it was mind-blowing um you know i was pretty happy with how everything went I def- you know I, I didn't have super high expectations you know i was mostly going there just to get the jitters out you know it's, it's intimidating uh, oh, yeah. re- regardless of how how you know how good you feel on your bike and so it's another it's another game for sure and uh it was definitely definitely cool definitely. Really cool. So have you
1: Had you gone to that track before? Are you familiar with that track or was it brand no. new? No,
2: no. So that was the most intimidating part. So I went to a new track with a new series and to top it off, I had to run Dunlop tires, which I had never ran. So oh, okay. I was on a new track. <laughs> Everything was brand new. Like that, that uh, uh, FP1 at Road America was the first time I ever touched Dunlop rubber to a track. So Oh. Uh, that was, you know, I was, you know, I'm not a very mental rider though, so I, I wasn't too stressed about it, but it was definitely a little different. Um,
1: still in your mind though. It's still like in the back of your head, like, oh, you're thinking about it. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. You can't completely block it out.
2: Yeah. So by the, by the end of the first practice, you know, I, I felt, I felt really good. I'm, uh, I'm a huge, I'm just a huge Michelin fan. That's all I've ever ran uh, since I started this, you know, this sport. So it was, it was a weird. It was a weird. It was a weird switch, for sure. But they're both. They're they're both awesome. Obviously, so it was. Uh, I adapted and kind of started to figure it out. It's just definitely a different track than what I'm used to. Uh, you know, Grattan's my home track. So uh, Road America's a lot real fast. Obviously, just, you know, like, <laughs> it's wide open everywhere.
1: <laughs> it's like uh, a drag strip with a couple corners.
2: Yeah, literally. Yeah, that was exactly, yeah, that was exactly what I was, what I, yeah. And then to top it off, it rained the second day, so.
1: (laughs) Even different, more difficult conditions.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And so what are your thoughts on uh, the R6 going away? No more R6 anymore.
2: I'm not, I'm not thrilled. No? Uh, (laughs) I was just, I was just talking about that yesterday with my dad, uh, I'm really I'm I'm surprised honestly. Uh, I I've, I've ridden quite a few bikes and that those those R sixes are just they're impressive. I'm surprised. Uh, are you happy? Really it worries not, me a little bit.
1: Yeah, it worries you a little bit that they're not uh, staying with that class. They're trying to go up to the 750 class now, and then they new 600. But I feel like losing that stock 600 class is just a loss to
2: the sport. Huge, and like even before I started doing any of this stuff, like when I'd watch Moto America. Honestly, I just I that's that's what I'd watch. I'd always watch the super sport class. It was just my you know it was my fate. I mean the other stuff's great, you know, junior cups awesome, obviously. And the same with you know, stock 1000 and super it's it's awesome, but I always really liked the 600s. But
0: yeah.
2: you know, I, I've been thinking about you know getting another R6 because I only have one bike right now. Like for example, like I, I missed the last rat round because I had bike problems. So okay. I've been thinking about having, you know, get a second bike. So I'm not, when something dumb happens, I can, you know, I'm still up and running, but now I'm like, hmm, do I put money into a bike that you know might not even be here in a year or do I start do I get a 1000 and start riding the thousands?
1: It's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, uh, I talked to Richard Harris one time. He's like, are you really shooting for the championship? Do you want to win the championship? Okay. Then you need two bikes. It's, it's no yep. question, you know, yep.
2: I actually just talked to him yesterday and he told me the <laughs> same exact thing. And I talked to him quite a bit. You can do.
1: Yeah. Can do. He's, he's a wealth of knowledge. You know, he told me one time he's got stuff that he welded that's up on the, on the space station or like floating around on satellite. Yep. Somewhere. It's like, that's amazing.
2: Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a super cool dude. He's always, always helping me out with stuff for sure.
1: Sure. And, uh, tell me about TPG a little bit. That's your performance graphics uh, company. Yeah. Yeah. Total
2: performance graphics. So we do, uh, so I rate before I did this stuff, I've only been doing the road racing stuff for, a, for a few years. Uh, I raced dirt bikes for a long time. So we started off just, you know, that's pretty much all we did. Uh, so after I got out of school, I started messing around making some dirt bike graphics and, uh, my, my with my little brother chase. And, uh, so we started with dirt bike graphics and then you know, led into commercial. So now we do a lot. We do vehicle wraps, um, company apparel, uh, pretty much anything that prints. Man, business cards, banners, everything. And uh, so now, I, I always kind of stayed with the commercial, like you know, the vehicle wraps, and then moved into the you know, and then with the dirt bikes. But now, starting this year, I've been slowly getting more into the road racing scene because I'm like, that's what I do now. So I actually just did my bike. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's, you know, white and tan and black. So we've been doing bike wraps. Uh, you know, it's pretty new. So I have to, I actually hand make all those templates. So, uh, I, I'm still gathering, you know, my friends let me borrow their bikes for a couple of days and I'm sketching them all out and, you you know, with all my tape. And, uh, so I'm hopefully by next year, I'll have the majority of the bikes you see at the track and I'll be able to, you know, start pushing a little bit more, but, uh, yeah it's cool it's my it's been my full-time job now for uh just over two years oh cool
1: so, yeah just, and yeah and i'm sure uh the templates are key like if you get the templates you're set right yeah. you come with a new platform you're like oh now i gotta get no. a new, new platform again <laughs> Yep,
2: yep. yeah right now i only have a, a small handful of them you know i've got like the new gen r6 uh you know ninja 400 triumph uh yeah, it's you know just a small handful. I actually just did a ZX6 for a buddy, uh, so I'm 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 gathering them you know
1: every day. Sure. So, and then uh, I would assume that the different bodywork manufacturers for racing are all different too, slightly. yes yeah,
2: so, so that's where it gets real tricky. Uh, I'm a huge I I only run Armor bodies personally. I've tried a lot. I've, I've had all of them, but that's the only bodywork I'll ever buy. Just, definitely just the most you know so that's kind of where i focus my templates because i think like a lot of people are the think the same way and uh so that's kind of where i focus them you know if you have like hot bodies and stuff there you know they might have little tiny differences here and there but for the most part if you start with armor bodies i find that you know you're pretty set from there
1: sure and there's quite a few manufacturers of bodywork now armor bodies is uh woodcraft uh, manufactured and there's carbon in which is a new player on the scene, and Hot Bodies is a big one, yep. um, and some of them are even coming out with pre-painted bodywork from the factory. Which you don't have I know, it's crazy.
2: Yeah, I know. I've, I have a few friends that have got it. Um, I've never messed with it. We We paint all of our own bodywork, and then we wrap it and stuff, so I've never messed with that, but yeah, it's crazy. They're popping up everywhere.
1: Yeah, because I just ran the primer gray, like, for a year. <laughs> I'm just going to crash it eventually. Why yeah, that, that's, a, that's exactly day? it.
2: That's what my dad always said, because I, I, I'd be all email you know, with how he was painting it and stuff. You know, a bug would get stuck in it, and he was hanging outside. And he's like, it's just yours just get crashed in. Anyway. Well, hopefully not, He would always say it, but, you know, it's made to be crashed. <laughs>
1: yep. One of these days, we're just going to have motorcycles with a wheel that pops out when we crash, and it'll yep. save us like a third arm. Yep, yep, you know it. <laughs> Well, we're a long ways from there before those kind of electronics uh, start coming to the market. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) But I mean, there are. So I just went to a race school um, in Virginia a couple of days ago, last week, actually. And uh, they had a bike that was fitted with this like uh, machinery, this mechanical um, wheels underneath it to simulate. You could go in like a a wet situation and uh, you lose the rear and the bike saves it for you, it's it's demonstrating how easy it is to lose the rear or lose the front in wet conditions, and how oh, smooth yeah. can you be through those sections, and so it's for students to learn on, and so they don't, you know, crash and high side and hurt themselves, but it still illustrates, you know, losing traction and all that, it's like, what a great tool to learn Yeah, on.
2: Yeah, really, yeah, because really, I mean, aside from that, the only way to learn that one is to actually just lose
1: the rear <laughs> yeah. and uh if you're training with smaller bikes like uh the ttr 100s and 110s 150 you know that small yeah. cc class you can go over the limit quite easily bring it back and still stay on the bike right
2: yeah you don't have to worry about that 100
1: <laughs> so those yeah. smaller bikes is where a lot of the pro guys seems to uh get their training on it's less risk less speed but you're still getting the same feelings on the bike Right, yeah. You do a lot of training like that with the dirt bikes and the sliding around?
2: You know, I so just growing up, just the motocross, and that that's that's what helped me the most. I don't really get to train much. Uh, I mean, aside from riding my dirt bike here and there, um, you know, I just get to the track as much as I can. That's really it. Yeah. Uh, the, the motocross definitely helped me a lot, though, getting started and stuff, because I was never on, like... I was never uncomfortable with my bike, you know, going crazy and stuff. It was just, it was just normal to me. You know, I'm, that's what I'm used to. I you know, grew up racing sand and mud. So when I first started, I was always having, you know, coaches come up to me all concerned, think I'm going to pitch it. because <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sliding my rear brake and it, I, I'm just explaining, like, that's just how I like learned how to ride. and It just doesn't bother me, you know. As I rode, you know, I learned to use it less and less, but honestly, I still, I use my rear brake every time I ride, always. You should, yeah.
1: I mean, you got both yeah. of them, i use half of your brakes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I change my rears with my fronts, I mean, I use them quite a bit.
1: <laughs> and I wish I had that dirt training growing up, you know, my parents were never into motorcycles, so it was always like, if you want to ride, you got to figure it out, you got to get to the track. Right. I'm sure I have a dirt <laughs> experience would have saved me from a bunch of crashes that I can, you know? <laughs> yeah,
2: no, learning to, learning to like let your bike move and stay loose is, is, is huge for sure.
1: Or even if you happen to run off, which is going to happen at some point, um, yeah. what to do, don't panic, don't grab front brake, like I was yep. going like 60 miles an hour. I was like, oh, I, I pulled off the track because I, I had a mechanical and I, and I forgot to slow down more. I was like, now yeah. I'm in the grass, now I'm going 60 miles an hour. This is not good, you know, and I panicked and grabbed front brake and it was easy crash because I was already in the grass and it was, you know, much more cushiony than the paper, right. but still I was like, oh, that was stupid. Like, why did you do that?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And I had a similar, I was down in, uh, at Little Tally down in Alabama and uh, it was last session of the day and whenever I, I don't know why, but I don't miss it. I, I like, I don't miss a session. I every single lap and Your money's worth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my thought process. And, uh, I, I went, uh, I went into the second to last turn and I don't know what happened, man. My hand, like I had like arm pump or something. I like went to grab my brake, I couldn't squeeze my brake, and I shot Uh straight and I was doing about 60 and they have a little drainage thing out in the distance. And I went through that thing. I got air, (laughs) Uh like swapped. I rode Uh all the way to the wall, man.
1: (laughs) Oh man. So, uh, what other rounds you got planned on going on going to this year? any more in the schedule? Yeah, so I'm
2: actually um, I got my bike back up and running, so um, I'm hitting uh, I'm hitting Pittsburgh next weekend for Weira. Nice. And, uh, and at the last minute, um, my buddy Robbie asked me to join their endurance team, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the endurance round, uh, the four hour endurance, and then sprints on Sunday and then I'm actually going back the following week for Moto America so I'm planned on doing Road America which I already did and then I was supposed to do Pitt and then Barber uh, so Barber is kind of up in the air I'm not sure it's going to depend on you know there's a lot of factors you know you gotta it's not a cheap sport obviously so we'll see how all that goes after Pit. go from there but next year I, I'm going to try to work on getting things in order a little bit more and kind of preparing and doing probably won't be I won't be able to hit every round I won't be able to go out west and stuff unfortunately but try to hit all the, the whole east coast you know
1: nice and, uh,
2: yeah and for, uh,
1: for where or in moto, moto america oh moto america
2: sorry yeah moto <laughs> america so um yeah this year was kind of impulsive actually I never even really planned on doing any rounds this year and uh my friend Tony Blackall Blackall Racing there uh, we always hang out with them my little brother rides their ninja really cool people they're like they, they're always they were always like pushing me like man you should just come with us fine. and fun. so Janet you know helped me get all signed up and it was just kind of totally last minute I, I made the deadline by like two hours oh, <laughs> for Road wow. America yeah. and uh I'm glad I did it was it was it was cool man it was it was a really cool experience for
1: sure so tell us about your weekend uh how did it go at Road America was it how you expected would you change anything if you did it again yeah. So, I mean,
2: I don't think I really changed anything. I mean, the first round, like I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how things worked. Uh, I didn't know, like, I, I just, I was clueless. Right. I went, I went there and I was just like, like lost. Um, so I, I think everything with all things considered, everything went as I expected, you know, I didn't have super high expectations. Um, I definitely did a little bit better than I expected for, you know, never being there. Um, you know, so it was the, the first, the first race on Saturday was, you know, it was all right. Uh, you know, it was my first, first grid, out, uh, you know, first pro grid and stuff. So I was kind of freaking out, but Sunday it actually rained and, uh, I, I do pretty well in the rain for some reason. I've only ridden in the rain like three times, but I've always, it was at my first one I was at the GNF in like 2019. And, um, ended up, I, I got, I won that and just kind of felt good in the rain after that. So I was running, I think, uh, 11th place at the race two for motor america i was about i think i was an 11th i'm not mistaken and i held that for the majority of the race and then uh i think it uh i got drafted on the straightaway pretty hard and then i think i ended up like 13 but uh out of like you know 20 i think it was like 20 20s 20, around 26 people so i was i was happy with that yeah yeah for yeah i was i was i was happy with that you know especially for first first time everything uh, So now I kind of got that all out of the way. So now I'm raising my expectations a little bit for sure.
1: Yeah. Anytime you finish in the points, I mean, it's a good day, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly it. Yeah. I learned, learned a ton. and uh, It was definitely a confidence booster uh, for sure. You know, doing that and then just going back just to just like my home track, for example, and just like, just I automatically, you just, you feel better. Like it's definitely, definitely changes your perspective. It was cool.
1: Oh, yeah. If you've been around a track a thousand laps versus a track at 10 laps, you're like, well, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Like, I'm missing my yeah, break uh, a little uh, bit. Like, it's not perfect as it could be. Now, are you practicing these tracks on any sort of uh, video games or simulator? You know, I, I, I had
2: so many people tell me to do that. Honestly, I hate video games. I, I am not. I, I'm just not a video game person. I, I tried. I even spent I went and spent like 55 bucks on Ride 4 or whatever. Like oh, yeah. two weeks two weeks, like a week before Road America, I had every intention, but I couldn't make it through turn one. <laughs> I just can't believe it, I'm so bad at video games. So honestly, all I did was uh, I just watched some like first person like videos on uh, on YouTube and I couldn't even find any good bike videos on there. So I ended up watching like, uh, I forgot what formula, I don't even know what, what it was. There's like a little open wheel formula. I'm not, I'm not huge at a car race, I think Formula Four or whatever, like open wheel. Honestly, I just watched that video about 50 times, and I just watched them. you know, it's a little different, but I at least knew where the turns were.
1: You know, sure, you know the layout now, and uh, not exactly the same turn-in points or apex or exits, yeah. but the same general feel. Right.
2: I knew what to expect, because that's the biggest thing. That's the difference between Moto America and Wira. Like, when we do we're rounds, it's like like Pitt, for example, we have Friday practice. We get to go there and spin 100 laps on Friday. And that's sweet. But Moto America, it's like you go to these new tracks, you got you've got like six laps to learn that track in your first practice. And then you've got you go straight to qualifying. So that was different. That was definitely different. You know, yeah, it makes you, you have to adapt. You have to learn to adapt much quicker, I'm much quicker than what I was used
1: to. Like you're going to learn today. <laughs> no, that was exactly what I said. <laughs> so I told my dad. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that time is so condensed. It's like you better show up already knowing what, which way the track goes already know when you gearing, like yep. team, team Yamaha, um, M4, X-Star, Suzuki, they have four or five decades of data of going to these tracks yeah. and so much information. They're like, Oh, this gearing doesn't work. We've tried it four times. This suspension yep. setup doesn't work. We have already tried that 10 times. You know, all these different things are like, we have probably uh, binders full of information on what to do. Right. You know? And it's like, when you come there as a new team or, um, just your first round is like, I have nothing. I'm just like winging it. Right. Basically. Right.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and that was the other challenge. You know, I, I had, I had no, I had no data. Um, just some, I got some good advice from some people, you know, I made some phone calls, some people that have been there that have done well there. So, you know, I had, I had a little bit of a starting point, but I ended up changing my gearing almost between every, like, you know, after practice and between qualifyings, I couldn't get it. And I'm not a very picky rider. Honestly. I ran, I mean, I ran the same gearing almost first year straight at every track. I'm just like, screw it, man. It's fine. But uh, that track, it was a little more important. I found that out quick. You know, you have to, you have to actually like think about your gearing and, you know, it, bikes tacking up and the next thing you know you're you know you're six gear bouncing off the rev limiter mm-hmm. and you're like what the heck
1: <laughs> halfway down the straightaway like i got yeah, it halfway down the straightaway <laughs>
2: exactly yeah exactly <laughs> um,
1: and so tony's probably been a really big help it seems like he's a great guy on the paddock he's on the uh um he was in the military i hope i'm not getting that wrong but i think it was yeah. a, it was a branch
2: yep yep yeah they're they're awesome people um yeah i actually like so my little brother's been Riding with them for a couple seasons now. I recently started hanging out with them more. Um, I wasn't going to the track a lot last year. Um, just a bunch of stuff came up and nothing was ever working out. So uh, this year we we pit with them almost every weekend. Uh, yeah, super cool people, man. Just always there to, you know, he was pulling the clutch out of his bike to let somebody else use it one time. <laughs> yeah, awesome people.
1: And it sounds like um, from what I see, he's trying to transition from a rider to a team owner. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I I I think they're kind of up in the air with it. Um, uh, I think he'll always ride though. He he really I think he really he really enjoys it. He does well, so I don't you know I think he'll always I think he'll always be a rider for
1: sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool that he's also dipping his feet into being like the mechanic, the owner, the yeah, guy and giving other people a chance too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, yeah, they've got a cool thing going. And, uh, it's cool to see it you know, progressing for him. They definitely deserve it.
1: For sure. And uh, so you're on the R6 in a 750 class. What is that like? Is it, is it like you're at a disadvantage now because they raised the CCs or are you running like a, a some sort of built motor? Uh,
2: you know, so it's, I don't know if it's really a disadvantage. I mean, they have, they have, you know, the 750s obviously have more motor, but at the end of the day, I mean, I feel like it's all rider preference, you know, like, I always compared the R6 to a one like you know can I read coming from dirt bikes I always compared the R6 to like a 125 for example you know they rip you have to keep them on the pipe at all times or else they fall off so I, I didn't, but they handle so much better than all the other in my opinion I mean that's just my opinion but they handle so well so it's like I personally would take a bike that handles better over a, a bike with a better motor that does not handle as well you know so I don't know. I mean, the biggest disadvantage is like you said, not having the data, you know, having the you know access to the things, the big teams do, but that comes with time. I, you know, I, I have to, I have to earn that. So uh, I have a, uh, my motor is mostly, I, I just have like a super stock motor. Um, Jamie Hanshaw built it for me. Uh, it, run, it runs good. It's a sweet bike. I have no complaints, man. I uh, it feels good. I really don't even, mess with it ever you know, like i said i've changed gearing on it like three times and yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great bike
1: and now you said you had a triumph um now what is it i would assume that the triple the triumph would have a better handling than the yamaha but maybe a different power delivery right it's it's uh makes his power more in the low low end of the power band versus the yamaha um, yeah
2: yeah. So it's a really torquey bike. The triumphs are real torquey, you know, coming out of the corners, you know, they're a lot more forgiving, you know, where the Yamaha, like you, you miss a shift and you know, you, you come out of the corner in third when you should have been in second, you're, you're, you're screwed. Whereas the triumph, it's like, you know, it'll roll, it'll roll on. And it'll, it'll, it's almost, it reminds me of like a V twin. It's just, yeah. it's built, it builds power even at low RPM. Um, I don't really know which one handles better. I always really liked my triumph, but, um, I never really, you know, once I started really progressing and taking it more seriously, I had jumped to the Yamaha last year. Uh, so I got, I got pretty, you know, I rode the Triumph pretty well, but I really made my progress on the R6 just because I was putting my time in on it. So I never really got to back to back them, I guess, you know, to have a Triumph. My Triumph was mostly, my Triumph was completely stock. The only thing that bike had was a rear shock. Okay. Uh, and so to take that bike and set it up directly like right next to the Yamaha, it would be interesting. They're, they really are. Those Triumphs are cool bikes, but, you know, it all comes down to the same thing. It's that they don't make them anymore. So right. it's, that's why, you know, I kind of just transitioned to the R6. And sure. then same thing happened. <laughs> Can't win.
1: <laughs> and maybe, uh, maybe we should go to the Cowies or MV Augusta. Who knows? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly.
1: I'd just love to see more manufacturers come into it. I've, I've heard rumblings of uh, Harley Davidson making a sport bike, but I've heard that for years, so who knows?
2: That would be interesting. He makes some good stuff. <laughs> you never know.
1: Or like, why doesn't Ford make sport bikes?
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, they probably will. It'll just be electric. <laughs> right.
1: Or a Tesla uh, sport bike. Yeah, that's probably coming. <laughs> I've actually heard Elon say uh, he almost died on a motorcycle, so he's like, I'm done with that. I'm not riding that. I'm yeah. not one. So I don't think the Tesla motorcycle is coming, but I'd, I'd like to see it happen.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: For selfish reasons, of course, you know. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of electrics. Uh, you know, electric yes. anything, but uh, they are impressive. So I would love to ride one, man. You know, yeah, pretty- I've been.
1: Uh, I've been seeing them more at the racetrack lately. There's uh, I corner worked at Daytona at the 200, and there was a uh, pretty sure no at the Arma event, the vintage motorcycle. Um, early early January, they had, uh, Arma come out there, and they have real sport bike classes too. So Josh Haram was out there testing his Ducati for the first time and, uh, maybe not the first time, but the first couple of times, uh, and out there was definitely, I think it was, uh, I'm going to get the manufacturing wrong. I'm not even going to try, but, uh, there was definitely an electric bike out there and we were told not to even touch it. If it goes down, don't even walk near it. Don't go by it. (laughs) Jeez. That, like we don't have the correct uh ppe protective equipment to even like go near it so when i worked the formula one event in miami as a marshal they have like hand gloves and then rubber gloves and then leather gloves on top of that before you can even touch the car because they're electrically uh bound you know they they're hybrid machines so they're not just you know a, an engine in there there's a huge electrical component on these machines right and uh yeah if if there's a green light. Right in front of the driver you know how they have that uh the halo device there's a light system right in front of that driver for formula one that is green yellow red if it's green you're more than welcome to touch the car move it push it if it's yellow you better be careful if it's red do not touch the car because you could get shocked and die like it's a big thing if you don't have the right gloves on Jeez. and uh like because the cars have massive impacts right they're right. they're designed to to have all this energy within them but if they crash we don't know what happened to it. All the electrical components in, internally could be screwed up. So okay. it's kind of a unique thing that's gonna be developed is, well, how do you pick up a bike that's electric that just crashed? You know, you better have the right stuff on.
2: Right, yeah, no, definitely. Those lithium batteries, I've watched those things go up. <laughs> <Yeah>. go quick.
1: <laughs> and a couple of years ago, like the whole Moto E field, all the bikes, the whole fleet of bikes uh, burnt up in a charging accident incident at one of the facilities. Um before preseason. So I mean that's a liability too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. So uh so what's on your mind you want to talk about today? Man,
2: motorcycles.
1: I love motorcycles. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Oh
2: no. Uh no, I'm just excited to get back on my bike. I haven't ridden. Last time I got to ride was 4th of July when I seen you actually when we were out there ripping. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that, that was a lot was of my- fun.
2: Oh yeah. That was awesome. a, that was a, that was a fun day. That track has never been like that. I've, I've been there a million times. I've never felt that track like that. It's crazy.
1: So that was my first time back on a sport bike for a weekend in seven years. Uh, that time we were riding out there. Yeah, oh yeah. I got down to 25s at Grattan going clockwise. So I felt happy on a 14 year old. Yeah. Heck Yeah.
2: With years. Yeah. Heck yeah. Especially at Grattan, man. That's like, <laughs> that, that's, that's the that's the roughest track in, in, or anywhere around here but
1: yeah it used to be nelson ledges but now at the Grattan's taking the cake yeah that's why <laughs> i love
2: it though that's the best part about it If you can ride Grattan, Rand, you can go anywhere for that's sure correct.
1: nine corners it's uh decreased i don't know about decreasing radius too much but um just one corner flows into the next flows into the next you screw up one corner you just screw up the whole four or five corners
2: Yep, and yeah, that's the only track I've ridden where you can actually get air. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was behind you one time when you were getting air, and I said in my helmet, Jesus, like, oh, I was, that. I was like, Me, he just sent it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I have a little zip tie on my front fork to just keep an eye on my suspension. And when we go to Grant, like, we always keep an eye on to see, like, where I'm at. And yeah. When we go to Grant, we don't even look at it because there's just no tuning <laughs> There's no team in the track, man. It's just <laughs> smashed every time.
1: <laughs> so the biggest risk with that is really just uh, not tucking the front when you come down, right? Because you're you're coming into uh, turn five there right after the jump. And that's, I've tucked the front there because I sent it a little too far. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get my downshift after I come down. Yep. And I was like, I'm in way too hot. I panicked probably a little bit um, tuck the front when really you could have a lot of roll speed come in there and break on the left-hander and turn six more than five.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's one of those turns that I just, I've always just committed to. Like if I, if I come into it fast, even if I'm even having a little bit of like a, Oh man, that's too fast. I always just go for it. I don't touch my, you know, I'll trail break into it and stuff, but you're, I found that you can go into that corner a lot faster than you think. I mean, I, I, I usually don't, um, you know, I, I've had moments where I've like, you know, I've past, I went to pass over there, and I missed my I missed my downshift and uh, didn't get to downshift till after. And I went in on the inside, like way on the inside, about 30 miles an hour faster than I ever have. So, still made it through. So just gotta push the bike up. That's all I do when I go through that thing, man. <laughs> just keep yeah. it on the rubber.
1: <laughs> For sure. Just keep it on at least one wheel, except if you're jumping. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so tell me about some of the people who are supporting you in your corner. Are you, you got a couple of sponsors behind you?
2: Yeah, I got, I got a few people help me out. Um, you know, I haven't really gone out of my way yet to look for more. Uh, I probably should if I want to keep doing the Moto America <laughs> stuff, but uh, you know, my mom and dad helped me out a ton. If it wasn't for them, I definitely, definitely wouldn't be doing it. Um, I've got a couple uncles that help me out, you know, with just bikes and bike maintenance and uh, you know, uh, Blackhall racing, obviously a huge, you know, they, they tow, they tow us around all the, you know, all the rounds we pit with them. Um, they're awesome. You know, Richard at apex, as we were talking, he's been helping me, with, you know, he's been like kind of, you know, he's been coaching me and helping me with bike setup since, I don't know, since I pretty much since I started, <laughs> um, yeah, I got, and then, you know, Dave Babel, <laughs> sport bike tire service,
1: <laughs> the legendary Dave. Babel. Yeah. He,
2: he's the man, he's the man. Um, yeah, no, I got, I got a few really, really good people helping me out. Uh, you know, couldn't do it without them, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and uh, I saw Dave Babel a couple weeks ago. I got a couple, I got a set of tires mounted, some Michelins from him. I got some DOTs because I didn't want to get the slicks going to Virginia because I looked at the weather. It said rain every day. I was like, oh, no, that's not good. But it's just super humid there, so it rains a little bit somewhere in Virginia every day, it seems like, in the summertime. So uh, yeah, I just took off the tires or took off the wheels. Got some new uh, Michelin's mounted. The cups, fantastic tire, but you oh, got awesome. You got to be really, really careful with your PSI. I found because if you're off by a little bit, it feels dramatically different.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, I ran that cup too for since it, since the literally since the weekend they started offering it honestly I didn't switch to slicks until this year and uh I mean mind you when I when I switched to slicks I definitely dropped you know a couple seconds over the you know the course of a you know a few weekends but I mean I got the cup I me and John Hawkins one weekend it was I think it was like 50 degrees at Grattan like if that it was freezing cold man and uh, everybody was like not like they were all like, you know, people weren't even going to race, you know, people weren't signing up and we're like, let's go, you know? And, uh, we were running like minute 21 flats on, and wow. Like literally like 48 degree weather on the, and, and that cup too, man, it was just, it blew my mind. I was like, man, that's crazy. You know, everybody thinks you have to run, you know, and now I, now I won't run them anymore. I mean, I still, you know, I keep, I actually keep a set with me. If it like, you know, if it's like kind of like sprinkling, but not quite rains, that's my go-to. But, uh, yeah, no, the slick, the slick, uh, all the Michelin tires, man, they're good. You know, honestly, if I, if I didn't have to run in the Dunlops, I, like Promote American, like learn them, I really, I've always liked
1: them. And, yeah, I mean, that's what I started on. That's what I've had the most amount of laps on is the Michelins. Yeah. Uh, but when I was racing, where I did not allow slicks in stock classes. So I always ran D.O.T.s yeah. until the weekend that we rode together, July 4th, that was the first time I was ever on slicks. Yeah. Uh, it felt just about the same. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of tire left on the tire uh, when right. I started, but um, yeah, it was consistent. It was uh, good power. It was, uh, you know, not stepping out when you uh, expected it to. It was a right. uh, good tire all around. Um, but yeah, if you're off on the PSI by, you know, five or more pounds, it's, you're going to have yeah. a hard time. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The thing I liked about the, my thing with the Michelins is more than more than the like the longevity of it because like like if i'm going racing i'm definitely gonna probably go for the dunlops i mean like i that weekend at uh, fourth of july i put it on i was running my best race time on that tire during crowded practice you know i always feel really good on them but the michelins like when i go like i said i like to ride i I don't miss a session and i mean those those dunlops i mean i was getting maybe two sessions and they were like you know i was coming up 10b and that thing was like doing this <laughs> whereas the michelins i mean i've ran every single session at 90 degree day and, and it just it just keeps on going it's like you're like like you're switching it because you feel like you should and you probably really don't
1: have to you know yeah so, it, i've seen those uh, those tires at endurance rent events run all the way to the cords and still have grip
2: yeah. Yeah. That, and, that, and that's mind blowing. I've never, I've ridden a few different tires. I've never, I've never had that, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I, I like that. They're all good in their own ways. I guess, you know, I don't really have a huge preference, I guess, you know, they all just do different things, I guess, at the end of the day.
1: I missed the Michelin front. It was a VB that they used to have or VA. It was okay. a, a V profile front tire. So you, the moment you lean the tire into the corner. And you're at full lean you actually have more tire contact patch on the tire than if you did if you're full up and down really when you lean over on the old tire that they used to have you'd have more tire on the ground than if you were straight up and down and i thought that was so cool and since it was a v profile not so much of a u it would be it would just fall into the corners right there like, would be no like hesitation it'd be like i'm up i'm in the corner that's like <laughs> awesome it's like it's so quick uh, to flick the bike. Um, I'm not sure why they got rid of that compound or that profile attire. tire. Yeah. That they got rid of the three different compounds, ABC, which was more like a temperature range than a hardness. Um, but that cup two now has all compounds encapsulated in one. I don't know how they're doing that.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's <laughs> impressive for sure.
1: Like the Jetsons out here with motorcycles. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah exactly. <laughs> so,
1: but uh, I got a book in front of me. I wanted to uh, to show everybody. This is the book that helped me learn all of the stuff that I know and get to the racetrack. I'm sure you probably heard of it. Um, but this is the this the this is the book that I read cover to cover multiple times. And you can see, like it's it's been waterlogged. It got rained on at at the racetrack in my tent. There's some pages that are coming out of it. Like, but this is, this is the book, man. If you want to learn how to ride, "Twist of the Wrist" by Keith Code, this is where it's at. Number two, volume two.
2: That's sweet. Never seen that, for, I'm surprised.
1: <laughs> the Basics of High-Performance Motorcycle Riding. Got notes by Doug Chandler. Um, and this is actually the school, the California Superbike School I just took um, in uh, Virginia. I went down there and got evaluated as a as a student and as a coach for my riding and an oral exam at the end of the day for coaching. So uh, I passed I passed those things and now I'm just waiting on uh final result. See what happens. But uh, that's what I'm looking at doing is uh, some racetrack coaching and trying to be at the racetrack as much as possible, helping people stay in it. You know, if people learn how to ride the right way and they stop crashing, they'll stay in the sport longer yeah and their friends won't think it's so dangerous and maybe their friends will start doing it
2: yeah definitely and yeah that's a huge thing for me like i have a lot of friends that you know they want to come to the track with me and they watch and they, you know they it's super cool i've got a few people into it actually it's fun watching riding with them and hanging out with them But i always tell my friends i'm like i'll help you i'll get i'll do everything anything you want we'll go to the track and uh i said you can't ride on the street <laughs> that was always what i told them because it Yeah, like you said, like just teaching somebody how to ride properly because you know when I first started, I mean, I I had a lot of bad habits, you know, just because I was coming from a totally different style of riding, you know, on the dirt. You know, I rode with my I'm used to riding with my feet halfway on the pegs, you know, using my controls and all, like you know, tons of rear braking, and uh, you know, like transitioning, you know, it's important because when you start to develop those habits, it's hard, it's hard to get rid of them, you know. So I had to spend, I had to spend half a season just getting rid of habits and once i did that then it was like then i can start progressing you know and yeah my biggest thing was my lean angle i always had a really really hard lean angle but i wasn't keeping my bike up so like there's a lot of little things that you don't you don't don't realize you know i didn't think i was doing anything wrong like i thought that i was just like you know i felt good and i was just cruising around you know not setting any records you know at the time i was just kind of messing around but you know and I had, you know, actually Richard, he came up to me and he was like, that's dangerous. And you're like, oh man, he's like explaining it to me. I'm like, oh yeah, wow. <laughs> that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how do you explain to people why you're leading off the bike?
2: Why I like the way, like just the way I do. Yeah. You know, I, you know,
1: I, it's, it's
2: hard to, <laughs> it's hard I, I, you- I'm a really, you know what, it's funny, I, I could never be, I couldn't be a coach, man. I, I know, I just know how to ride the way I ride. And, you know, I can help people like certain things, but I, it's kind of hard to explain. Like my biggest focus has always been just balancing it all out. Like, you know, not leaning too much to where you're, you're off of, you know, you're you're off your bike more than you need to be. That was what I struggled with. I went from one extreme to the other when I first started. I went from leaning my bike a ton with little body position to learning proper body position, but then overdoing the body position. Okay. So now I found the happy medium. Now finally, it only took me a couple of years, but um, yeah, that my I guess to answer that it would be just keeping the tire, keeping contact on the tires. So you're. You're not riding on your, on your, uh, you're keeping your chicken strip. You know, you don't want to be right on the edge of that tire all the time.
1: Yeah. I Um, I, I think I try to say something like, uh, you want to, you want your body to be as far to the inside and low as possible. So your center gravity is low. And what we're actually trying to do is keep the bike as upright as possible while we get to the inside and as low as possible so that we can go around the corner faster, but it doesn't look like it. Because the bike's at max lean, but we're trying to push the bike up all the time so it can get on the fat part of the tire.
2: Yep, yep. Just enough to where you're still making the turn, but keeping it, keeping contact for sure.
1: And uh, um, I'll go over some quick uh, things about riding and racing controls. Can you name all the different controls on a motorcycle? Like all the different major inputs that you can make on a bike, whether it's the throttle, um, or the clutch or, you know, the shifter or the front brake, the rear brake, and you got the handlebars, right? So those are the six major controls. And, uh, so what does the throttle do? Does it affect speed or direction? Both. (laughs) It could, but mainly just speed, right? Um, the clutch for speed, shifter, speed, brake, front brake, rear brake, speed. So you got five controls on the bike that are that affect your speed, whether faster or slower. You only have one thing on the bike that makes the bike turn with the handlebars. And there's such a misinformation or people don't understand what actually turns a bike. Is it the wind? Do you get turned by the wind? Not really. Like when you go by a semi-truck, does the semi-truck push you away? Well, sometimes if you let the wind push your arms and now your arms are pushing the motorcycle, so it's like this thing, you don't really understand what's happening to the bike. Like, oh, the semi's pushing me around. No, you're letting the semi push you around because your, your arms are being moved. Right. Right, so um, they have this at the, at the California Superbike School. They have a bike that's called a no BS bike where it has two sets of handlebars. One of them that are the regular handlebars that'll steer the bike and another one that are fixed to the tank. And so the idea is people think leaning turns a motorcycle leaning actually doesn't turn a motorcycle it's turning the bars pressing or pulling on the opposite bar to initiate lean is what really is turning a motorcycle once the bike is initiated then yes your body position and leaning does help the bike turn but turning a bike initially leaning won't do much more than two or three degrees at a time uh, right. so people just have these misconceptions about how to turn a bike and I printed this thing out. I actually typed it out and printed it. Uh, steering a motorcycle results from the process of pushing the inside bar forward, the same angle and direction the forks rotate and the steering head bearings. You can also pull on the outside bar. You can do both push and pull. That is what turns it. That is all that turns it with any degree of accuracy, efficiency, quickness, or smoothness. That and only that, no BS. Keith Code. <laughs> i thought that was cool i was like i want to read this to myself like a 100 times because it seems obvious but like that's the only thing that's going to ever turn a, bo- a motorcycle with any right. degree of efficiency right And i don't think a lot of people understand that
2: yeah no i mean because you you focus so much on leaning and you know making that turn that you start to think that that is what you know the only thing that is making the turn you know
1: yeah and I was talking to Joseph Hansen, a photographer, and he's you know, always at the side of the track taking pictures. And he's like, when Whoa. I see fast guys go around the corner and they're pressing to initiate that lean, it looks like they're crashing. Because yeah. their wheels actually go in the opposite direction for just a second, just to make that make that initi- initiation to get that bike turned in the first place. And then the wheel will track towards the apex of the turn. Right. I've been teaching this Motorcycle Safety Foundation class, getting people their license for riding on the street, uh, get their cycle endorsement in the state of Michigan. And uh, sometimes it's difficult, like teaching these people who have maybe never seen a motorcycle. We have this one drill. It's just the swerve. It's definitely saved somebody's life. And uh, the directions are you press, press, and now you're in your new lane to make that swerve. But when I'm making a swerve, I don't, physically press anything i just do it
2: you just, just do like, it right <laughs> so
1: like how do you tell people to do something that you're not actually mentally doing it's like right hard to do Print that it on paper yeah
2: <laughs> definitely
1: so i'm learning how to teach it myself and be a coach so it's difficult yeah it's like how do you break down these these difficult concepts to where like a 12 year old could understand it
2: yeah and, uh, and and it really is it is hard to, i find i think coaches a lot of credit because like i don't care how fast you know how to go on a motorcycle like teaching somebody to go you know to learn even just like the basics you know I, I haven't really done it You know, i'll help some of my friends that i race with you know if they ask me something you know i can explain it but like my wife just did her first her first track day and you know i was just teaching her like the bare bone like basics And like I found it hard to to actually explain it because I'm like I've never really like I just know how to do it, you know. (laughs) So like breaking it down and like actually teaching somebody, it's it's it is. There's an art to it. And then
1: you want want them to go faster, but you're like, if I tell them this, they might crash. So like, how do you how do you tell them exactly?
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's hard for sure.
1: And uh, something that just happened an hour ago right not even an hour 10 minutes before we logged on I was looking at my email and I had just applied to USMCA which is United States Motorcycle Coaching Association and I just passed it and got approved so I just got just got (laughs) the note uh, 10 minutes ago that I uh, before we started that uh that I'm accepted I'm approved I already filled out all the paperwork and and finished the the course so uh I'm now a United States Motorcycle Coaching Association approved or certified I don't I don't know how you say it uh, coach. so <laughs> now that' mean- it'll allow me to do like private coaching and one on one stuff. and uh, the California Superbike School requires it that you're um, a member of them anyway. So, uh, oh, so that's really why I did it in the first place, but it also also offers liability insurance for coaches, which is a great thing to have like if if you're if your student, co- crashes because of something you told them they could potentially come back and and sue you as a coach um which is a huge liability in this sport yeah. there's always damages and things that happen and could be their fault could be my fault who knows whose fault um so having an insurance provider was is a massive i mean that could bankrupt you if if that uh situation happens
2: right oh yeah yeah crazy are you do you plan that are you gonna coach with like stt or anybody
1: so I plan on coaching with California Superbike School, but I'm just waiting on the final say-so. They told me they tell me sometimes this week, so uh, we'll see what happens. That's and I'm just crossing my fingers, man, because that would be an ideal job. Like, it's three months of on-track riding per year. They go all – it's called California Superbike, but they go all around the country. I took the level one as a student, but they have two, three, and four as well. Um, I, th- I thought it was extremely beneficial – And I've been racing for 11 years, uh, riding for 16. So there is definitely some uh, tidbits of information that I maybe forgot about (laughs) or just uh, didn't know about. Um, I don't wanna say them all because that's their proprietary information, but um, yeah, it's just, uh, I would highly recommend taking any race school. Um, There's a lot of good ones out there. Now, uh, I don't plan on doing the STT coaching but um, they're a great organization. That's how I learned. And they have, you know, coaches in novice, intermediate, advanced, and racer yeah. schools and stuff like that. So not to disparage them at all. They're great. Also, um, just uh, looking for something a little different. Yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, so you're not too far away. You're a 248 phone number, I think, right? I'm yeah. Yeah. No, I'm so I'm
2: Clarkston, Michigan.
1: Clarkston, not well, too far I live away. in Waterford
2: now, but I grew up in Clarkston. I went to Clarkston High School. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm, like, five, ten minutes from Clarkson here now. So, yeah. Where are, um, you, where are you at? You're at Sterling Heights?
1: Yeah, I'm in Sterling Heights, just on Hall uh, Road and Van Dyke area. Okay. Yep. And I grew up in Dearborn Heights, so about 45 minutes away. Uh, that would be, like, Ford and Telegraph area. Okay. So, yeah, been in the Metro Detroit area for a while now. been at this place for going on eight years and uh, lived in Roseville, lived in Pontiac for two years. I um, wouldn't recommend Pontiac, but it was all right
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it's got its ups and downs for sure
1: <laughs> it's kind of i live i was right on the border i was going to oakland university for a couple of years and yep. uh just just right on the border is a little cheaper over there yep yeah yeah, definitely.
2: yeah we're not too far from i'm not too far from Pontiac at all Frank 10 minutes like yeah. that
1: I wanted to say before I forgot, I like your flooring there, your check checkered. Oh yeah, this is our
2: this is our little office here. This is where <laughs> my brother does all the design work and stuff.
1: Yeah. So your brother helps you. He's a little uh, employee of sorts. What was that? Yeah, your brother helps you. He's an employee of. sorts?
2: Yeah, so he he uh he does all of our design work. I um, mean, he uh he helps me with all the installations. Uh, he's pretty much just like right hand dude. He just he does the same things I do, so. He actually did the floor.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I posted the other day. I I, I, I said uh, I took a picture of my flag, and it was a checker flag. And I said, "This is the flag of my people." And someone commented, "I didn't know you were in that into chess." I'm like, "This is not a chessboard. <laughs> this is a checker flag."
2: Oh yeah, um, I I really like the checkerboard stuff. <laughs>
1: I'd like to get some shorts in the checkerboard, or maybe a t-shirt or something. I'll check. Your- I've got some, my, my new race suit for next year. It hasn't came in yet, but uh, it's got some, quite a bit on there. <laughs> nice. What what kind of suit do you run? One uh, X. No, well, right
2: now I have an Alpine Star, but I just switched. Uh, speaking of, I need to send him my measurements. Probably, he's probably not very happy with me. <laughs> no, there. That's a that's a really cool company. I I've, I've always just ran Alpine Star stuff, even with motocross, you know, boots and everything. And um, my little brother got. A one X suit, and along with my buddy Ian, uh, Ian Cap, I don't know if you know him, but um, a few of my buddies got him and I just thought it was really cool because it's kind of like what I do, you know, like the you like you literally one on one design uh, with the, uh was Daniel. You know, you just I just told him like we usually do all our own design work, but uh, I just let him. You know, I told I gave him all my vector artwork and stuff, and he threw it together, and uh, it was pretty cool. And is it seemed that suit? Really uh, nice
1: is that like screen printed logos or is it uh, patches?
2: You know i don't really know their process um it almost it definitely looks printed like because um they kind of start they like they feel like kind of explaining to me uh you know like where to put the artwork and where not to for like longevity and stuff so i think i think a lot of it is printed just i don't know the process you know i don't know if it's transfer like sublimation or i don't actually have the suit yet so i haven't really got to check it out but uh yeah definitely cool
1: I'll give a shout out while we're talking about suits to uh bison bison tracks been popping up that's similar to one X, I think. Yeah. They're custom suits. And, uh, Robert's a bit, a buddy of mine. So, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I, uh, uh I, I've never so used sure. the
1: I haven't used the suits personally. I still got the Alpine stars, yeah. but, uh, I sell Revit. So like, I should be selling my suit and just buy a Revit.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I met the, I met the, um, the people over at Bison a couple of times, they're just track side and stuff. They're really cool, yeah. they're awesome people. Yeah, and they, uh, actually, they actually fixed my glove for me one time.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they're at the Moto America, all the motor rounds that hit a lot of CCS and wear arounds and track days and, and in the meantime. And uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what suit you have or what what uh, brand apparel you are wearing. Like Max Van crashed at uh, Pittsburgh last year and I was working that I uh, was just before the kink. He was coming down the hill. And um, he, he crashed and he needed some leather repair. So I was like, go find Robert. He'll fix yeah. it in like a half hour. And so he did and he got it fixed and he was out there in no time. So I was like, yep. great to have uh, a seamstress and leather repair at the race. Yeah. I mean, how valuable is that to have?
2: Yeah, huge. It's, it's not an easy task either. Right. I don't know how they... <laughs> you know, I, I just found a,
1: a, I just found a local uh, seamstress in my area in, in uh, Sterling Heights because I had I, Lost a button on my shorts, like my gloves had a rip in it. Um, and I, I got another pair of gloves that has another rip in it from just putting them on and taking them off so many times. Yeah. It's got a seam rip right on the, like right kind of here on the oh. finger. And so I just need to, it'll take them like five minutes, maybe $10, you know, then my glove rip open anymore.
2: Can't even tell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's been super helpful just to have a little bit of uh, leather repair and stitching going on.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, man, just uh, shooting the shit. I know that there's uh, some racing going on lately. There's a Suzuka 8-hour that I just missed, and I got to see if I can rewatch that, maybe see a, a replay or something. But, you know, I heard Gino Ria is in a uh, uh, – what's the word? Uh, he had a bad head injury, and he's in a coma. So uh, that's not good. Okay. G- Gino Ria, big name in the sport. I mean, he's he's one of the guys who – you know, he couldn't quite get a Moto 2 ride, so he bought a van and bought some bikes and started his own team. Like super resourceful guy. Uh, I think he's still hooked up to some electronics right now in the hospital. But uh, just want to everybody send uh, their thoughts to him. Hope he uh, pulls through it. Yeah, definitely. There's been a lot of bad stuff happening lately in the in the sport. You know, with uh, with what happened at Brainerd. Um, you know, there's there's a death there. And, uh, it sucks, man. I just saw something else on the, on TV or on my feed about, uh, some car racer. Like it was a street outlaws. they were filming for a TV show and the guy lost control of his car on a run and he, he died in a car, you know, doing a drag. I don't know if it was a drag strip or if it was out on the streets actually. But, um, yeah, man, stopping really fast has bad consequences.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's the downside of these uh, motor sports, you know, it's definitely uh definitely some risk.
1: But uh, I just want to see all the walls moved away from the track. Like we have the technology, but I know
2: it's crazy, man.
1: But these, uh, these old school circuits, it's not just like they can pick up a wall and move it. Like they have oh. tons of, it's like a, a massive uh, landscaping effort just to, just to put it there. And then they have their own, parameters where they want fans to be as close as possible where i get that but i I think the fans would want to see the racers survive rather than yeah yeah absolutely closer to the racetrack
2: right yeah it's and i just feel like as technology's advancing you know these bikes and cars they're getting faster and faster so that means the walls should go further and further you know it's yeah uh, and and last
1: yeah sorry sorry to interrupt but last year i know that they moved Road Atlanta, turn one, the wall closer to the racetrack. Like, why? What, what is the point of this? Why would you do that? When, remember the Twins Cup a couple of years ago, someone blew a radiator hose in turn one, and everybody went flying, and people were hitting the uh, air fence with the wall farther back. So why would you right. move the wall closer?
2: Yeah. Makes no, doesn't make sense, man.
1: <laughs> and uh, I was supposed to do... Air fence set up and tear down for the remaining three rounds of Moto America until I found out today they're not paying anymore. Wow. So I was supposed to be leaving next week on Wednesday to do Pittsburgh. Next round would be New Jersey, and then the following would be Barber for Moto America. But they are, I just heard from Jason Wade, they're pulling funding for Air Fence. So now they're having. A TEP agency do it. Um, People who don't know what they're doing, first of all, being paid minimum wage and don't care about the sport. Um, And so now I was I signed up for AirFence for all these events in January. It is now August. I found out today I would not be working the next three events. That's like almost nine hundred dollars I'm going to not be making at these next few events. Right. So I'm like seven months later, you tell me I'm not going to be working. That's bullshit. Right. So that's my gripe today with Moto America. Come on guys. What are you doing?
2: Yeah. No, I I think that that should be a huge focus. Even, I mean, I know it's hard with smaller, you know, smaller sanctions and stuff, but I feel like those air fences, man, they should be everywhere, especially for what it costs to do this sport. you know, you think that they could somehow fit it in, but you know, especially on motorcycles, you know, you're not, you're not, you don't have the same, um, safety equipment and stuff you know you're just mm-hmm. just on a bike <laughs> yeah.
1: and like uh where that motorcycle rider crashed at brainerd you know there was no air fence there because that's just not a typical spot that you crash um but you know there are exposed walls in in dangerous places at at every track like the pit walls you know those pit walls right. are
2: never,
1: uh, have air fences on them you could always hit hit those. It's just, uh, try not to. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, definitely.
1: Do your best not to. So, uh, yeah, man, just, uh, shooting the shit and see what's going on. I, uh, I got this, uh, I've had this microphone for years, but it's not, it's, it looks like it's hooked up, but it's not, it's just for <laughs> real. Sure. So, uh, so yeah, the very first podcast episode I did with my parents, I was talking to them about it. Like, yeah, this is the mic I'm going to use. And I, uh, I still haven't used it. It's not hooked up to anything. Um, I actually just bought a cord I was going to use, but I, I forgot to look at it and they're both mail to mail. So that's never going to work. <laughs> so uh, I'm just waiting on an adapter that should be here by 10 p.m. So a couple hours, I'll have it.
0: So there
1: you I, go. I the next couple ones. But uh, I'm just, I talked to Joseph, Joseph Johansson and uh, he's like, I'm surprised uh, at even you know, episode 105, you haven't upgraded your audio setup yet. I'm like, you make a good point. Right. (laughs) So this was like $10 and the adapter was like $4. I'm like, why did I wait so long? (laughs) You don't know what you don't know, I guess.
2: Yeah. That's just getting too fancy, right? Excuse your...
1: (laughs) So I'm just, I've been, I was just talking to somebody uh, a couple hours ago and they're like, oh, I don't have a microphone yet. I'm like, neither do I really. You don't have to have anything fancy. It's just, uh, it'd be better quality if I did. Um... And maybe, I don't know, maybe if, if I had better quality, more people will listen, but you never know. <laughs> ah,
2: whatever, right.
1: <laughs> but, uh, I'm starting to make money with the podcast. That's kind of cool. It's, uh, um, yeah.
2: you
1: know, advertising revenue basically. So definitely, I can't exactly always track back who listened to the podcast and who bought something, right? That's kind of hard to say, right. But, um, but yeah, I'm over the threshold for making money on youtube now i got over a thousand subscribers so there you go like 15 20 a month or something like that that's it's something
2: better, better than nothing right it's something. yeah so, it takes a while to get there so that's good
1: oh, that's yeah. Cool, man. yeah a couple hundred videos later i'm like make it 15 bucks
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah got do what a, you gotta do
1: <laughs> maybe at episode 1000 it'll be enough for me to quit my day job
2: yeah, there, there you go.
1: <laughs> so, where can people go for uh, getting graphics for your company?
2: Yeah, um, so I'm. I mean, we 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 do a lot of social media. Uh, so you know, we we really seem to focus on our Instagram for some reason. Uh, it seems to be the best way to reach you know our target market. Um, I have it all transfers to our Facebook too. Um, we don't really, you know, we do a lot of word of mouth right now still, you know, it's pretty new business, so we're, you know, we're just trying to grow and, you know, grow, grow accordingly, you know, keeping up with what's coming in and, uh, but yeah, you know, social media is always a great place to start, you can get all of our contact info, we have a website on um, the website we're working on—we're uh, actually working on a new website right now. The, the current one that's up is pretty much just dirt bike graphics. It's just a place to go to purchase like some of our semi-customs. Uh, so if you see like you know, it's just like pre-made kits that we have that you can make changes to, and then we also do full custom stuff that you can just contact us directly, and you know, we can we make stuff from scratch. You know, we can make make pretty much
1: anything. Nice. <laughs> I haven't had to
2: say no yet. <laughs>
1: So, if hypothetically I had a uh, 2008 Kawasaki ZX6R in my garage, how much would it cost for like a full wrap for something like that? I mean, it's probably all a la carte, right? And, yeah. So,
2: all- it, you know, there's I never I don't really have set prices on the motorcycles. that kind of go according to the job because I do different coverages. You know, like there's um, you know we start with like number plates and just a couple little decals, or you could do just like front fairing. You know, your front upper, or you know, you're just lower. Um, then we do full packages and then we offer installation. Uh, I definitely always recommend installation to people if you've never done it, because we, uh, we use a cast vinyl, which is very, um, you know, it's definitely on the more uh, difficult side to install if you don't understand how vinyl works and stuff. And then that way, if we mess it up, we have to fix it. <laughs> we and
1: you uh, it. you uh, guaranteed no bubbles? Yeah, uh yeah, as long as well it depends on your paint job. <laughs> yeah, those bubbles are pain in the ass.
2: Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, as long as your paint job's good, there should be no bubbles.
1: <laughs> Cuz I got bubbles all over mine. I was like yeah I didn't have a heat gun, I don't have a hair dryer. I was like, "All right, that's about it. I'm done for today. That's good enough."
2: Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a heat gun in this industry. That's for sure. We got them all over the place. <laughs> and
1: I mean, every bump, every bubble is like another 10th of a second added to your lap time. Yeah. It is. Sure extra, is. You know, aerodynamic disadvantage.
2: Yep. Yep. I always, I always guarantee to people, you, uh, you, you you drop two seconds by my graphics. <laughs> it's
1: like five horsepower <laughs> uh, sticker, right?
2: At least. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very good. And, uh, I also have a website, Eric Swan Racing. I'm uh, authorized dealer of 35 motorsport brands. I think 20, 22 of them are motorcycle related. So from suspension tools to um, gear, to uh, parts for your bike. Um, and I also do cars, a little bit of motocross and a little bit of uh, mountain bikes. So trying yeah. to cover all the power sports, excite, exciting sports to me anyways. Yeah. That's yeah. That I want to pursue.
2: I might be, I need to get a hold of you, I need a mountain bike, my brother needs one too, so we'll be calling it.
1: (laughs) I don't actually sell mountain bikes, but mountain bike parts.
2: Oh, okay, okay, right Uh, now.
1: Although I do have a, I don't know if it's technically for sale, but I'm maybe trying to sell my old mountain bike, it's a Trek VRX 200, it's now It's now. I guess it's vintage. It's a uh, year 2000, so it's a vintage motor. Oh and man! <laughs> bicycle, and uh, it's also a championship-winning bicycle, so uh, that's a, a an added plus, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
2: there you go. There's there's an extra grand added to the yeah.
1: price. <laughs> I don't even know if it was worth a grand at the when it was released. <laughs> but it's it lasted quite a while. It's still in my garage. It's my my B bike because you always want to have a spare bike. What if I get a flat? And I can just ride that bike. You know? Yep.
2: There you go. Then you have to change your tire all season. <laughs> exactly. Are you uh, are you brand loyal with bicycles? Um, I grew up racing a lot of BMX um, before the dirt bikes. Uh, I always just rode red lines and stuff. Uh, not not brand loyal. Me and my brother used to bike a lot, like BMX. We've had all kinds of different, all kinds of different bikes, and BSD and Colt and yeah. all of them fit. <laughs> I've tried them all. <laughs>
1: I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, a Trek fan, just because uh, that's what I started with, and then that's what I upgraded to, and I also have a uh, uh, Trek Madone, so i got a road road bicycle as well. Okay. That's, that's a good segue into, tell me about your training. What kind of training do you do to get ready for this stuff, uh, fitness-wise?
2: Man, so right now, honestly, I've just been working so much. Uh, I haven't had time. I haven't done any. Uh, for a while, I was my wife's. A, uh, she used to be a personal trainer before her. You know, her when she was go while she went to school. That's what she did, and uh, so she helps me. You know, we I I run with her and stuff. You know, we like just she helps me. I, I I'm very I like simple workouts because I don't enjoy it. I really dislike <laughs> it. So she helps me like put stuff together that's not super technical that you know is beneficial. So I just I just like to I like to run when I work out. I'm pretty much just run. So. Yeah. That's one thing I can focus and do.
1: <laughs> you know, I found that for a motorcycle riding, you do not need to be a bodybuilder. Like you no. don't see guys who are just jacked out there going fast. Now it probably helps a little bit, but at a certain point it's going to be detrimental, right? You're going to have too much muscle. You're never going to actually use that on the motorcycle. So it's going to, to be extra weight slowing you down. So right. I'm a huge proponent of just massive amounts of cardio. Whatever you, However you get it done, just you need to work out your legs, your core. And your cardio is the main three things, I think.
2: Yep, yeah, 100%. Yeah, legs, legs are huge, too. You don't realize it, but your legs are, I feel, I feel that it's very important, for sure. You're
1: just, you're just sitting down on a motorcycle, right?
2: Yeah, that's what they say. I, I hardly ever sit down, man. <laughs> Always doing some type of hovering or lifting or something, you know?
1: It's only maybe <laughs> uh, 15, 20 seconds on the straightaway you might be sitting down. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And then you're just trying to tuck as far as possible, <laughs> and you put your elbows in, and you're really not just sitting yep. relaxing. You're going 150 miles an hour. You're not relaxing.
2: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. It'd
1: be to see Like a uh, a heart rate graph or a heart, you know, your heartbeat based on your lap time or where you, what your position is on the track. I wonder yep. if your heart raises higher if you're going faster speeds, or maybe the jump area if if your heart raises a little bit there.
2: Yeah, I think it's going, I think it's when you're going into turn one way too fast.
1: Yeah. Breaking after the tires, you know, if you can make yep. it.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so I know that uh, I was doing, I was going pretty quick that July 4th weekend, but I was leaving a lot of time on the table in the braking zones because I was like, this is kind of a dangerous, more dangerous area. You know, yep. it's easy to tuck the front when you're trail braking and um, as a borrowed bike, so I'm not trying to, you know, send it down the, down the road. And man, when I took off those tires to get them changed, there was maybe like two millimeters of tire tread left. There was like nothing. There was like, Dave, Dave Babel was like, Swanee, do you see this tire? Do you see how much is left on this? There's just no fucking tire left. (laughs) Like, how are you running this? I was like, oh yeah, I guess it was, I got to the track on Friday with used set of tires. I didn't change my tires the whole weekend. But uh, I, I will say that I didn't get to ride a whole lot on Saturday because I had a fuel pump issue so i didn't realize i would never been through this before i never had a fuel pump issue i had never even taken one apart and put one back together and there's like this uh, filter in your fuel pump that was all clogged up and not working no. well so we uh one of the guys at the track one of the coaches lent me of his i bought it from him but gave me a uh, a new filter put it in there nothing changed nothing happened like oh crap i called 10 dealerships <laughs> This is a holiday weekend, July Fourth weekend. On the Saturday, on a weekend, and nobody's open in the first place. And uh, the people who did answer the phone told me we have this parts finder. Nobody in the state of Michigan has this part that you're looking for, the fuel pump. And uh, there's one in Indiana, 300 miles away. Ah, oh, that's not going to be a good day. Right? <laughs> Bad start. I already missed the. I missed the first four sessions on Saturday. Didn't get to ride at all. And I'm like, well, I could just bump starter, right? Right. Well, all if the fuel pump isn't working. You, there's no fuel coming to the to the engine, so you could <laughs> bump starter all day and it wouldn't start. So uh, we tried. One of the guys said, "Oh yeah, just take take the fuel pump out and uh, attach two wires to it and see if it has power." I'm like, man, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I've never like tested electrical stuff before. Yeah, that's so what he, I call it. <laughs> yeah, so he he took it out. I think it was uh, Jeffrey Tate, one of the instructors. Oh. A super great guy who's helping me out, holding my hand. Thank you so much. Like, I don't, I'm not an electrician. You don't have to know everything, you just have to know the people who do. Oh, exactly. <laughs> know the people who to call on, right? In those situations. Um, and so he tested it out. He's like, yep, it's dead. It's not working. So one of the coaches went home on their lunch break, drove home 20 minutes to their house, got in a gas tank that they didn't even know if the fuel pump worked. They just bought a gas tank off of eBay and had to have an (laughs) extra one. And they're like, we think it'll work. I don't know. So, uh, it was Diane Troms. Diane Diane, I think she was like, Oh, he wants to ride more than me. I'm a coach. I should just leave and go get it. I never asked her to leave, but she said, I think my tire warmers aren't up to full temperature. I'll just skip my session and leave and go get it. I'm like, how nice of a person! I didn't oh, yeah, ask her to do that. And She left on her own accord. I was like, yeah. "I can't thank you enough for doing that." Brought it back. Turns out it worked. I swapped it out. It worked just fine. And uh, let me ride the next two and a half days. If I wouldn't have got that fuel pump, I would have gone home. You know, it was yeah. I wouldn't get any a single lap of uh, track time. So it made my entire weekend. And that weekend got me ready to do this California Superbike School. Yeah. So, Uh, That got me back up to speed. It got me confidence again. I started passing people again. I was like, I I feel like I know what I'm doing. I I remember how to do this. It's just like riding a bike. Yeah, that's right. I had been out of it longer than I had been in it. Right, yeah. That's a long time, seven years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I did one half a track day on the Triumph, but I wasn't trying to crash that bike. I wasn't up to speed at all. You know, I barely even ran tire warmers, I think, that weekend. So. Uh, it was uh, it was very rewarding to get back out there, and uh, I have I haven't lost it. I'm still right there, you know, watching every single race that goes on on TV and and uh, at the track, just trying to stay in the sport.
2: Yeah, that's what you got to do, man. Yeah, you sometimes it takes a minute to get it back, but you can get it back quick once you once you know how to ride. You just got to get your your brain back to processing, you know, and you pick it back up pretty quick. For
1: sure. sure. You ever been into uh, Super supermoto? No,
2: no. My, I'm real good friends with Will uh, Wildner. He's a yeah. great like, supermoto and Harry and all those guys. And they all try to get me to come out all the time. And I really want to, but I, I just know when I, if I, if I try it, I'm going to be hooked, and then I'm
1: yeah. going
2: to be even more broke. The
1: thing about the supermoto is it's only 60 bucks a day.
2: Yeah, right. That's more like the motocross. Exactly. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's a big difference there in price.
1: Well, sure. uh, I would love to get you hooked, so I'll throw this out there. Uh, you're more than welcome to borrow my bike. I have a Kawasaki KLX 300 Supermoto, so it's not exactly a race bike, but it's got a better suspension on it, and it's got some number okay. plates on it. So you look like a racer out there. There we go.
2: No, I, I, I'll, I'll make. I'm gonna try to make it out this before the season's over. That's my, right. that's my plan. I've been talking to Will and Harry about it. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to make it out there for sure.
1: For sure, I'd love to see you send it on one of those uh, different bikes out there.
2: Yeah, it'd be a cool, it'll be a cool blend for me for sure of the two bikes.
1: So. It looks like the Husqvarna 450s, the FS450. I love that name. It, it sounds like it should be called a Full Send 450.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's perfect for it. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, those are, seems like the bike to be on. Every, a lot of people are running the Husqvarna's.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they're good bikes. Yeah, All those bikes, KTM. Yeah, my, my little brother just got a Gas Gas uh, okay. MC250. That thing's sweet too, man. They're they're oh, all thanks. so good now. All yeah. these new bikes are They've come such a long way.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I like the Gas Gas. It sounds like a pretty sweet name. Yeah, I know.
2: It's a sweet bike, man. It's, it's basically a, it's like a KTM or a Husky, for sure. They're very, very similar.
1: So, uh, do you follow uh, different series like MotoGP or World Superbike or anything like that? Honestly, not
2: really, man. I, uh, I I just watch the Moto America stuff, and other than that, I don't, not a huge. I don't follow much. <laughs> It's I hard to keep been... up
1: with it all because there's like six different classes in each one of them. It seems like, and there's, uh, I right. mean, you would spend hours and hours watching all the different classes.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, my, uh, I, just, I can't uh,
2: focus long enough to watch it.
1: I'd rather be out there riding. Every time I think I'm, I'm sitting down watching a race or watching a sporting event, I'm like, I have this thing in my mind saying to me. Those guys are getting better at their sport while you're watching them.
2: Yeah, I can't do it.
1: And they, (laughs) and so sometimes it's it's okay to watch. It's it's okay to 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 watch that professional and like pick maybe pick something up or like you'll hear something about technology and something that's been developed and you might learn something from that aspect. But for the physical side, you're sitting there drinking a beer, getting fatter, while they're getting you know working out, perfecting their craft. So I'm like, ah, maybe I should be like on my bicycle watching this right
2: (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) i think i've learned so much from just watching races for the last 10 years like uh i feel like i've learned a lot about technology and engineering and just like different features of tracks and uh it makes me want to be a broadcaster because just talking on this and talking with no notes, like i don't know what i'm going to say next but uh you know half the time i'll be watching a race i'll say something then they say the exact same thing. I'm like, I could have done that. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. This, yeah. um, it's how, do you, how do you get in front of those people to get that job? You know, how do you? I could never
2: do it. <laughs> I couldn't
1: do it. <laughs> and then they're going to be critiquing you. It's like, oh, you shouldn't have been saying this. Nope. I, oh, I yeah. Their, their flow is. I don't know how they're talking to each other But afterwards when the cameras go off. But right. I'm sure it's like, hey, you probably should have said that, right? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and here yeah, there's nobody but, telling me that which maybe i don't know if that's a good thing or not <laughs> right so but uh but yeah man i'm ha- happy to connect with you you're a yeah. super guy and hopefully i can help share your story and get you some more sponsors and get your name out there more
2: yeah, man, I appreciate it. We'll have to do this again soon after these next couple rounds, and I'll, I'll give you some updates.
1: <laughs> Definitely, and uh, I'd like to do it at least once a year. I mean, it doesn't have to be every yeah. year, but uh, yeah, that way absolutely. we can get some updates, get get a, a feel for it, and uh, if you're ever interested, I have a racing simulator in my living room uh, for cars. Um, Perfect. <laughs> with a wheel, wheel and pedals that, uh, man, it's a workout. I start sweating just with a fan going, pointing right yeah. at me it's it's uh very intense like it's it's called a fanatic dd1 wheel okay. and, uh, it's a v3 inverted pedals so the the pedals are mounted on the top just like they would be in a real car the pedals have different springs for the for the, the gas pedal it's got a damper on the brakes so you can adjust and um you know it's paddle shifting so you don't have to use a clutch most of the time but for a corsa competizione which is the current gt world series esports game that one is so accurate it's wild like uh you have to turn on the car you have to start you have to hit the ignition and then start the car and then you can d- easily stall the car um so like you got if you've spin out you got to pull the clutch in real soon otherwise the car is going to stall and then you got to go through the whole right. process again just like a real car would be so i'm like i'm showing this to sweet, my man. dad the other day and he's like i don't know how to start the car i'm, I'm like i'm stuck i can't go anywhere
2: <laughs> yeah wow yeah that's crazy technology's crazy with that stuff the, the video games and the simulators and stuff
1: it's crazy it's, uh, it's called it's got this thing called force feedback so you go under over the curbings, you can feel the curbings underneath you you go over crests and your car feels light in your hands you go under you know valleys and a car feels heavy, and you can't turn as well, and, like, all this, like, a real physics would be in a game in the real life, and uh, it's so difficult, man. Yeah,
2: that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: I've like, no mistakes, me. you know, right, but uh, that's at least over an hour. I didn't start it right on time, but uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about?
2: Uh, I think I'm good, man. I'd like to do it again soon after these. We'll, uh, we'll link back up maybe this winter, and do some more and give you some updates and yeah.
1: All right, for sure. Well, thanks for coming on so much. This is Neil Scalf. You can find him uh, on Instagram, Facebook. Are you on YouTube at all?
2: No, just, just the business page on uh, Instagram. and that's pretty much it.
1: Very and good. Facebook. Well, yeah. look him up, Neil Scalf on uh, all social media, and uh, we'll be sure to connect real soon.
2: Awesome. Sounds good, man. It's good talking to you.
1: Have a good one. And uh, keep it on at least one wheel, unless you're jumping it.
2: (laughs) Sounds like a plan.
1: I'll see you at the racetrack.
2: See you, man. Bye.